0: Peter. Yes. Hi, Frank. I didn't think that this was going to happen again, but I think it's happened again. Oh, no. What's happened? You know these um Edge of the Earth second looks we've been doing?
1: Yes. Yeah, the ones we've we finished.
0: Not... Well, about that, we haven't. I don't think we've actually finished all the cards. Oh, I think there's no. a couple of factions left. I've staked my reputation on this being the last one, Frank. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. Because, yeah, we're going to have to spin those wheels again. And every time we spin the wheels now, there's more chance that we're going to end up doing the same faction or get the same guest back as well. Yeah, that yeah. Really that It's would...
1: starting to be risky. It'll be, be super awkward. Right, well, nevertheless, let, let me spin the, the faction selection wheel.
0: Uh, it's landed on Rogue. Well, that's good. Okay. Oh, that's lucky. That's lucky. Right, well, I'll spin for a guest. It's Amber Autumn! Right, let's do this! Hello! You're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank.
1: Um, and... Hi, Peter. How are you doing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> You crashed over at Amber Autumn's
2: introducing herself there, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I think I just did. Hi. Should we just, just, just My... leave that in? Should we just with it? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. My name is Amber Autumn. Uh, she, her, um, I just woke up in this uh, closet with a microphone about 20 minutes ago, and now they're telling me I have to record a podcast into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay. I, who am I? I'm supposed to introduce myself. I'm kind of just like a random, uh, a random person who plays a lot of Arkham Horror the Card Game. Um, I've been doing it since Dunwich, so I'm a pretty early adopter to the game. Um, and I play it obsessively. The two main things that I'm known for in the game space, if you've heard of me doing Arkham stuff, it's probably either that a couple years ago, back when Dream Eaters was coming out, I recorded an 80 minute video essay called Let Me Sell You on Arkham Horror the Card Game. Um, espousing the virtues of Arkham Horror, the card game. And that thing got like a couple thousand views for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then because it's such a small community, also Maxine showed up in the comments as she does for things. Um, which I didn't know at the time. Uh, and then the other thing is that, I don't know, like a year or so back, right towards the beginning of the shelter in place for COVID, I did a, uh, 20 handed single player game of the blob that ate everything. Um, and streamed it where I had five different tables and each table had four investigators of the same color. <laughs> That's incredible. I crushed that scenario. I fucking destroyed that blob. Did great. Yeah. We surely crushed that scenario. If there's <laughs> 20 of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were working very well in sync with each other. There was a lot of really good communications between all the players at that table, <laughs> at those five tables. I had to like, I was like running TTS on my computer and my roommate's computer, and then I had like my copy of The Blob That Ate Everything and my girlfriend's copy of The Blob That Ate Everything in another (laughs) corner of the room, and then I like also went out and bought another copy of The Blob That Ate Everything so that I could run five instances of this game simultaneously. Amazing. Amazing. And that's how
0: we know you. That's how you- (laughs) you played (laughs) 20-handed.
2: Yeah. I don't know if people know about it for some reason.
0: Amazing, and w- and what draws you to rogue in particular? Because we've oh, got rogues are to talk about some rogue cards.
2: I do. I love rogues. Uh, part of it's just that I'm really excited about a lot of the rogue cards in this set. I just think that a lot of the rogues got a real shot in the arm. Where I think, like a lot of like, I r- I really love guardians in general. But I think a lot of these guardian cards are like uh, very tailored for like a niche and guardian that isn't like the niche that I tend to run around in, right? Mm-hmm. but a lot of these a lot of the rogue cards i i just think they're weird and interesting and cool and rogue in general um i would say my favorite characters are the ones with a little bit of rogue access is the thing that i usually like to say um uh because rogues are are dumb and silly and unpredictable right and they uh they do mm-hmm. a lot of like very big splashy very combo heavy plays and i like that about them that's like the way that i like to play this game mm-hmm And I like to be able to, to show off and to do dumb things and to go, hey, check out how hard I can not throw up looking at this pile of dead bodies and then get a (laughs) bunch of resources out of it. (laughs) (laughs) So like my favorite gator in the game is, is, is Leo Anderson, because I just really like the like dependability of Guardian and like the reliability there mixed with like Rogue's ability to like splash out and uh, go insane for a turn. I
0: love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah relating to that
2: so let's dive
0: in let's read some cards
2: absolutely do you want to take it
0: away with our first card
2: oh i would love to so our first card is counter espionage um it's a new uh level one rogue card costs two resources but slap an asterisk on that because it doesn't actually um it's got two willpower pips it's an event It's a favor, so it's in the favor suite of cards, and it's a service as well. Fast, play when you draw a non-weakness treachery, cancel that card's revelation effect, and draw the top card of the encounter deck. As a reaction, when you play counterespionage, you can increase its cost by two to change the encounter deck to your deck. And as a reaction, um, when you play Counter-Espionage, you can increase its cost by two to change you to any investigator. So I more or less read this actually as for $4, draw your deck's card instead of the encounter deck.
0: Yeah, that's where I went to with that as well. Paying two to just draw another card off the encounter deck doesn't feel great. Right. But obviously paying two to turn it into a card from your own deck is, yeah, pretty funky.
2: It's kind of interesting that you can do it with, other investigators for extra money as well it's a little bit unthematic for ro- there's like something kind of interesting there it's playing a little bit against type of what the rogues usually do because usually rogues are about pushing your encounter cards onto other people right mm. so something interesting there
0: i guess if you're griefing them that they've drawn an easy <laughs> encounter card and you force them to draw again that's maybe.
2: it is it is a good grafina card I do want to highlight, I love the little bit of art at the top of this one. You can't see it because we're voices, um, in the, the disembodied void, but it is, it is someone with gloves holding a secret document that says top secret. And then out the top of, of that folder, there's a little paper, um, with some kind of like alien typography on it. I wonder if that translates to anything. I wonder if there's like a code that you can scramble with that, mm. but certainly, uh, it is not a language that one would expect to see on earth.
1: Mm and and what kind of counter counter espionage is like aliens alien script what have you what have you been doing like <laughs> it's just like a yeah i think it's a it's a it's a bit of classic um favor art as well
0: mhm yeah Paceless person just, doing yeah, some helping
1: mysterious file yeah
0: yeah i guess there are some uses where you'd play this for for two and not draw a card from your own deck if you draw that scenario ending treachery right you know the obvious example is the ancient evils and the doom clock is going to tick out in theory you could use this as a like anything but that yeah that's that's all i can think about that i think it rounds out the favor suite really nicely though like yeah it does nice to see the willpower favor be a cancel
2: It's definitely, like, using it as a straight cancel is not necessarily the way that you want to plan to use it. It's pretty low on the curve as far as cancels go. Um, But it's rogue, so you don't get a lot of access to cancels. And, you know, you have the ability in your back pocket to to do something nicer than just to cancel with it.
0: Mm, Yeah. And you you joked earlier about the, like, losing all your sanity to horror. And that is a real danger for rogues. We've got some one-willpower rogues, quite a few two-willpower rogues. So having a way of dealing with that, rather than the kind of classic, well, I'm going to use a load of liquid courage to try and heal or something it's like true. that, is pretty. Cool. Having
2: like, two willpower pips in Rogue on a on a cancel is like that's a that's a that's a choice. That's a fun choice that you have to make with that card. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, cool. Peter, do you want to add anything about this one, or shall we move on? Uh, I don't have much to add,
1: to be honest. It's just, I guess the only other question I've got, and I I can't think off the top of my head. What other cancellation have rogues got access to? It feels like almost nothing else, right? It's like
2: they've except got for... you handle this. Yeah, except for you handle this one.
0: I mean that's the only one I can think I of. I think
2: it's that and out of class cards. I think this is this is sort of a niche for them, yeah. Yeah. So I think like in, in terms of having no other access to cancellation,
1: it kind of makes mm-hmm. it good. It's true. But actually I think paying four to draw one of your own cards instead of I think it I think it's good. I think it's good. Yeah. I don't have much else to say than, than other than I think it's good. It's good. You're
2: <laughs> right. You're right and you should say it.
0: <laughs> well, Peter, do you want to read us the next card then?
2: Yeah, absolutely. This
1: is Cheat the System, a zero-cost level one event. It has an intellect and an agility pip, and it has the trick and synergy traits. Fast, play during any free trigger window. Gain one resource for each different class among cards you control. If you weren't supposed to do it, it wouldn't be legal. Hmm. This is my favorite of the Synergy
2: cards. Oh, I love really? this card. That's
1: interesting. Uh, what about it uh, are, you, are you enjoying
2: so much? So, um, I think, to to me, this is like an instant economy staple. Um, I think it's it's super, super easy to turn this into, by default, a Cryptic Writings that doesn't have the draw it on your turn requirement. Most investigators are going to have two different colors of classes in play at some point, just sort of by virtue of their deck building, right? Um, by virtue of having mm-hmm. access to different classes. And, you know, if you're playing Winifred, that's a little bit trickier, which is a shame <laughs> because mm-hmm. she really likes fast events. But um, the fact that it's fast gain some money is huge. The fact that you, that you don't have to spend money or that you don't have to spend actions on it um really ups its value in my mind mm-hmm. and if you put like a small amount of work into it like even like winifred you take bruiser um and suddenly this card is a fast emergency cash and being fast emergency cash is way better than being an emergency cash mm-hmm. uh and i i think that in a lot of investigators it would not be that difficult to get yourself up to like four or five resources on this if you're if you're building such a deck where synergies make sense in the first place,
0: when I first read this card, I actually missed the fast, and I was really mm-hmm. not impressed by it. Yeah, but no, I think noticing the fast, yeah, it's it's probably for me the most important part of it because it yeah. stops this card competing directly with Faustian Bargain or Hot Streak or you know you name the economy cards in Rogue because there's mm. so many of them. It immediately competes with them in a different way because it doesn't cost the action. So even getting two resources actionlessly in some instances could be incredibly useful just to yeah. push you over the edge to pull off some big event play or or whatever it is. You know, you could even in Mythos play this when someone's taking a test to give you more resources to play a counter espionage when it comes around to your turn, for instance. Like in your, if you're panicking, it just gives it so much versatility that it's fast.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's an example of a synergy card which is really solid at the at the two level. I think of all of them, I do like this one. I still think closer circles my favorite because sure, I think card. even with one charge, that's still like a fine card. This I think, if even just with a couple uh, a couple of classes in play, which like you say, them, isn't hard to do at all. It's it's just solid. Like you look at all of that that cycle of new cards that came in the starter deck. So like. Uh, sneak by and burn the midnight oil. Mm. That's like an action to do a basic action and then two resources. Mm. This is, you know, an action to do whatever you want and then two resources if you've got two classes in play.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Just, and, 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 yeah, exactly as, uh, as you said, I'm with a little bit of effort. I can see potentially a Safina deck that uses a lot of the new spell assets. Yeah. Uh, being a, a really good home for both this and close the circle. I can imagine that, yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, it's it's just like, it's a nice, neat little card, I think. I, I guess that the better comparison would be something like uh, Payday, right? Which, which costs one, free trigger, gives you, well, potentially gives you a lot of resources with a bit of work again.
2: Right? Yeah. By default would give you three resources if you could play it at the end of your turn. Oh, but Payday costs an action, doesn't it? Payday costs an action, and it's pretty restricted about when you can play it. I've only I never played Payday when I'm using Fence, so I keep thinking yeah. it's it's fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. a good use, actually.
0: This has the potential to be better than Faustian Bargain, right? Because you could get up to Synergy 5, so you're getting, for no action, 5 resources. You can't share them out, but then there's no curses as well. It's true. It's just that, unlike Faustian Bargain, you can't do that turn 1.
1: This is the other thing that, that's interesting about it I wasn't going to mention earlier, is that it's resources when you're more set up. That's true. I sort of see it working, like you play your initial assets, get yourself set up, and then this brings some, like gets you a bit of a rebate on all the stuff you've played. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 not a great econ card to have right at the beginning of the game, unless you've also got
2: some assets and stuff you want to get down.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes it good for big money. I I also like... Rarely do I find that I am getting to the point where I never need money again. Like, it happens sometimes in some <laughs> investigators, but I always have stuff I want to be playing for money
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: by default.
0: And as we'll see with these cards as well, is the some of them are a shot in the arm for the rogue style of just give me more and more resources. Right, yeah. Accumulating great wealth is a, a goal of its own. Late game, this pushing you up by another five resources is not
2: I'm not gonna say no to that for no action as well. keep your big money up,
0: yeah, exactly.
2: well, the fact that it's fast makes it especially appealing to me in like decks that cycle really quickly, which is one of the reasons I'm sort of disappointed that it like has a little bit less of a home and that you have to like work a little bit harder to make it work in Winifred mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, if you yeah. get to if you get to get it a bunch of times that fast increases in value a lot the more times you draw it. So I imagine this is also especially helpful in like a Trish that does a lot of drawing or like a Finn who's really working those pickpocketings.
0: Yeah, yeah. So next we have Untimely Transaction. This is a zero cost 1 XP event with a wild icon. It's also a favor. Reveal an item asset in your hand. Another investigator at your location may play that asset as if it were in their hand. If they do, draw one card and gain resources equal to that asset's printed cost. Really? You're going to haggle with me now? I'm pretty sure that's Bob, just cut off by the art.
1: (laughs) We have to assume, yeah. Uh, Can someone... So I find it quite hard to wrap my head around this card. Um, Mm -hmm. my, my My tiny brain is struggling to take it all in. Can you give me an example of when it would be good to play this? Like, what's what's a, what's a good play with this card? Is it like giving someone a forty-five at your location if you're playing like skids or something?
2: Right. So you're Tony Morgan. You've drawn a handful of guns. You've drawn all of your guns early. Yeah. You've got some guns out. You don't need all of these guns in your hand. But you're standing next to your good friend. I don't know, Calvin. And and Calvin hasn't drawn uh, his weapons yet. And so you go here, Calvin, um would you like to buy one of my myriad leftover guns, and then you get to give him you know uh your Mauser or what have you uh and then and then and then you make a little bit of money off of that
0: great example, the example two. I've seen this played, I was playing a Zoe and with what with guard dog Greta Wagner, something like that, oh no Beatcop, Beatcop level two and Bob revealed to me bandages and said, would you like these bandages? And so Ooh. I paid for the bandages. He got to draw a card and got the resources for the bandages. And my Ooh. Beat Cop 2 was then infinite. That's great. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was a nice like item to hand out, I guess.
2: That is a good one.
1: So, so weirdly, it's, it's almost like no one pays for the asset, right? Because the money gets handed around the team. Right. Mm-hmm. Rather than disappearing off into
2: the bank. I mean, Mm -hmm. it does get pooled in the rogue, right? The person who already has so much money. (laughs) So it's not like completely mitigating any cost. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like it it is cool that you like the more the more expensive of a weapon you're handing off with this, the more like total team value you're ultimately gaining out of it. Mm -hmm. Which is very rogue. The bigger of a play you make, the better it is. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm trying to picture what
1: slot it takes in my deck because it doesn't it's it's sort of an economy card for me as long as everyone else has got enough money <laughs> to give to pay mm-hmm. for the for the items I've drawn right right is the is the the nice effect on it the fact that you can
0: hand off the item to another player mm. so like or is it both Bob is our rogue from this box yeah and Bob's ability is he gets an extra action during his turn, which can be used to play an item from the hand of any investigator under their control. So Bob could be spending his resources to be playing everyone else's items for them. Mm-hmm. But he might get to a point where then actually he needs some some resources himself. So he starts then using untimely transaction to reveal items he has that other people could then play as well. I mean, you can even do something if someone is looking for one of their key weapons or whatever it is, and you've got your backpack sitting in hand. You reveal the backpack, and someone pays a resource and gives you that resource, and they then get to trigger the backpack's effect and search their deck. So you can do sort of things like that as well, I suppose.
2: It's true. There are some, like, universally helpful items like backpack that, like, are just, like, good to hand out to Everybody wants a backpack.
0: I thought as well of, like, rabbit's foot or lucky cigarette case. Yeah. You know what's better than one lucky cigarette case giving your second copy of lucky cigarette case to someone else.
2: Accessory slot is a little bit of a harder sell because mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. whoever you're giving it to already has something that they want on their neck. But maybe they haven't drawn it yet for instance uh, yeah. and like a lot of the like, more slotless things or or things in in less competitive slots.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting and and I definitely think there's going to be the other thing that I think is fun about the card is that it tickles the kind of player who loves creating totally broken combinations of <laughs> investigator and cards they can't normally take.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I don't know whether I meant Did I mention this last time we recorded, Frank? Um, I, someone took a, a, a Matteo Codex recursion deck by taking <laughs> yeah. two Versatiles and two Scavengings. So they just play the Codex, pass an Investigate test which would to return the Codex to the hand with scavenging and then play the Codex again. So it just Wild. played the Codex again every single turn. <laughs> and they had a right of Seeking and Twyla down as well. So they just like, oh, I'll get three clues every turn.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's the kind of play I feel like this would tickle as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think there's like a Bob crazy relic deck where Bob is handing out all of these really uh, powerful items to people Not necessarily for them to fight with, but just like because he doesn't have the slots himself or just because it's fun. He's just throwing them out there. And I think that would be a really interesting way of playing. Should we move on to our next card?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Amber autumn. I think it's you again. I believe it is. So Savant is a one XP skill card. Not many skills in this box. It's a very asset heavy box. Um, But we have this one. Um, a skill card worth only one wild icon. What what's this? What garbage? Well, wait, there's more. Uh so it's an innate and developed skill. Um, savant gains wild icons equal to your lowest skill, other than the skill being tested. 50% luck, a hundred percent skill, and a hundred percent concentrated power of will. Savants? <laughs> a weird one. Um it's kind of fun. It's I have this like I have this moment of resistance. To any skill card that doesn't give me an effect other than icons, um, which is silly because I take uh, I take promise of power like every mystic deck that I make these days, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's
2: it's just it's just wild icons. So and and savant absolutely can get up there. It's like either a stat, either a skill card where you are like boosting a test on the lowest skill that you have. Um, up a a Mm -hmm. bunch of pips or it's one where you are getting a small amount out of it but you are squeezing a lot more value out of boosts to your lowest skill so it makes dark horse a lot more valuable right or if you have if you're playing like a leo anderson and Mm you you take, like, level 3 Janae, she's boosting your intellect. And that isn't, like, normally a thing that you care about all that much. Um, but if you have to make an agility test and you commit Savant, suddenly you're, like, getting more out of that intellect boost, and it's, like, being applied mm-hmm. in a direct way. Yeah. And I think I think making those irrelevant stat boosts relevant is, like, really helpful with the new suite of composures.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting all of these boosts and you actually want them to have some kind of impact beyond. That's okay. Yeah. Using Leo as an example is really illustrative of the kind of, I don't know, not the pitfalls of this card, but just how challenging it is to use. Because I would say most rogues, bar Jenny, have a low stat somewhere. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, most investigators in the game don't have flat stat lines. So you have to really navigate your way around making this worthwhile. So this in Finn. If you test anything but willpower, it's just what a plus two. It's an unexpected courage. But if you test willpower, it's a plus four. It's pretty yeah. good. Like maybe that takes the place of your say your prayers or or whatever it is. The same, and then similarly, you know, in in Winnie, yeah, yeah, in Winnie, exactly. It's a plus it's plus, a plus four. four so four, one four wild plus tests. the three, yeah. But anything. But if you're not testing willpower.
2: It It's just a plus two. Jenny's a really good use case for this, actually. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a really good call.
0: It's just a ste- steady plus four. Do you know what's not a great use case for it? Our, our poor, rich friend Preston. <laughs> uh, this is just uh, unexpected courage, right? He gets for an so much
2: out of this box. He'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not a savant, and that's okay.
0: And I ran this in Bob and really liked it because... His lowest stat is his willpower, which is a 2. So this is a, a plus a 3 if you're not testing willpower. And then if you are testing willpower, his next stat is a 3, so it's a plus 4. So it gets to... The fact that it has that single wild icon on it really helps get it to quite high levels, I think.
2: Yeah, it's true, yeah.
1: That, that helps it up a lot. Silas can take this as well, right? It being innate.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about him.
1: Yeah, if, if you boost say his willpower it becomes nice either boost his willpower or his intellect just with some card that's boosting those with what sorry plucky yeah well exactly
0: yeah just something like
1: (laughs) that Uh, suddenly it's quite a nice quite a nice boost for him i think
0: it's four icons yeah
2: i love that they've given it developed just to leave the door open to make a level zero one at some point can't imagine what a level zero of this would look (laughs) like um but they're leaving the door open for themselves
0: and is that Trish breaking a code on it?
2: I don't think so.
0: It's someone doing code breaking,
2: but maybe not Trish. But it is great art. I do love the art on this card. Mm. I love the weird aliens. I, it's not all about alien languages for me, I promise. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I think, is it maybe my
1: favourite of this cycle of skill cards? I think it's the most interesting of them. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. you've got to apply some brain power to when it's used.
0: Yeah, And it changes investigator to investigator in quite a curious way. Like Trish and Tony, their lowest stats are 2, and it's always going to be a 2. But Winnie, as we said, her lowest stat is a 1, but then the next lowest stat's a 3. So it, it works in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. um, which I like. Okay, we have a
1: unit card. The red clock, broken but reliable. It is a two-cost, two XP asset, and it has a single wild icon. And it has the item and relic traits. Exceptional. Uses. uses Zero charges. Zero charges. Garbage. (laughs) Forced. After your turn begins, either place one charge here or take all charges here as resources. Then, if it has exactly one charge, you get plus three skill value for your next skill test. Two charges, you may move up to two times. Three charges, you may take an additional action this turn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, oh, and it uses the accessory slot as well. You're
2: a fan of this, are you? I do. So, rogues have this accessory slot problem. Um, I feel like I'm monopolizing the yes. conversation here. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no. This is why we invited you on.
2: <laughs> Ro- <laughs> rogues have this accessory slot problem, right? Where there's, like, there's there's the hidden relic hunter tax on this card. It's very expensive. And I like the but it's but it's really good for the price, right? I think that getting to occasionally take an action, getting to occasionally take some movement uh, is really helpful. And it's also like a pretty good hidden economy card. Getting reliably three resources every four turns, uh, free emergency cash every four turns is a really valuable use of your slot. Um, without any of the other stuff, and the other stuff makes it worth the XP. The actual reasons that you have this card are either that it is an, it's, it's a stepping stone to the leveled up one, um, which is the thing that you actually want when you're buying this card, or level two gives you access to it in all of the off class, uh, all the Mm -hmm. off class rogues so that you can, uh, you can take it in your Wendy's and your, uh, and your Dexter's and so on.
0: Can I talk through how this works? Because I find this one hard to get my head around. Go for it. So turn one, I play it. Turn two, there's no point in me taking all the charges off it because it doesn't have any. So I place one charge, Mm -hmm. and that means that turn, the first skill test I take, I get a plus three, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then the following turn, so turn three is when the choice kicks in, because I could either take one resource... Or I could put a second charge here. Right. And that means I get two moves mm-hmm. before my turn begins, right? Well, it's after my turn begins, but before I've spent any actions. Mm-hmm. And it's not two move actions. So if I have enemies on me, I could just start kiting them around or... Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Just completely reposition. And then the th- that was turn three, turn four... If I place a charge, I get a four action turn or I could just take the two, two charges as two resources. Mm-hmm. Turn five is where it gets even funkier, because at that point, if you place a charge, you're at four and nothing happens. So you're, you're choosing then probably to clear it and start again. Is that right? Probably. There's yeah, no yeah. way of keeping it on one on one specific number, is there? No, because it's no. take all charges. If, OK, if cool. You, I had to say all of this out loud to get my head around it if if you're
1: canny i guess you could be in a situation where you you know what um ability ability you'll need in advance mm. so i know in 3 turns time i need to to pass a test or i need to move a couple of times and i can juggle when i take the charges off even letting mm-hmm. it tick up beyond 3 if you want to you know it could just be a thing that generates you another money every turn it could be a very xp intensive version of investments so yeah, if, if if you're clever, you know, and you know the scenario well, then yes, you can do that with it as well.
0: I mean, even just clearing the charges and getting plus three every other turn, is that's still pretty impressive, plus three. That, like, this could be my investigation tool. Just every other turn I get a clue. I'm thinking solo here. <laughs> you know, yeah. I would like to yeah. get more, but in theory I could just be using this every other turn for like, okay, I'm at intellect six now. Thank you, I'll take that clue. I mean, there are other ways of doing that. Obviously, in Rogue, you could be taking a lockpicks or whatever else. But if this is the only card you've seen, and this is down, I love that early on you could just be using this to get you through the obstacles of the scenario single-handedly. Yeah, wow.
2: It's. I think the the way that you really want to play this, the way that, it really, that this card really wants to be played, is by taking the clock exactly as it is. So taking plus three on one turn taking two moves the next turn, taking the additional action the next turn, taking the resources, taking the skill, taking the move, taking the action, taking the resources, taking the skill, take etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because the, the the abilities get more powerful as you go up in the list of charges. Mm-hmm. If you if you were going to keep them at a level, you would want to keep it at three charges. And I know that when this card was first revealed, there were a lot of people talking about a, a, a janky build where you use Eldritch Sophist to do that. You use Eldritch yeah. Sophist to like, to, to, keep peeling one charge off of it so that every turn there are three charges mm-hmm. and you get to take an additional action, which is a very, very complicated, combo-heavy, resource-heavy, XP-heavy way of getting Leo DeLuca. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it's what, like, the same cost, but four XP <laughs> over two cards. Yeah. yeah. And, your, and your accessory
2: suit. slot. Yeah, and it wow. takes three turns to build up.
0: <laughs> Love it. Like, who said Leo was the ally everyone needed to run?
2: <laughs> it, it does require you to like plan ahead a little bit, right? It does require you to like like the turn that you get your skill boost, you have to like think about like, oh I would be moving, but like maybe I wanna do something other than moving because I know that next turn I'm gonna get two movements and it's gonna take me where I need to go anyway, so I can like save that move action and do something else with it, right? It lets you it lets you do a little yeah, bit of planning ahead yeah. for that, that metronome.
1: Yeah, I, I was almost going to say metronome as well. Like it, it's it's a, it's it creates a rhythm to your turns. In a way, it sounds like it would be restrictive, but actually, every time I've played with cards like that, I've had a lot of fun doing it. So say mm-hmm. like when you play um, as Stella with F, uh, the car, name of the card has completely gone out of my head. Oh, quick learner! Quick learner. I was forced learning was in my head, uh, but obviously that's not it. Yeah. If I've played Stella with, with Quick Learner, it sets up a rhythm to your turns where you, you do yeah. something you don't mind failing at early on and then you have a, a good end of turn as well. Or like, yeah. you know, just playing as Joe, where Joe has to react to whatever comes off the top of his inside deck. It's actually like adds some extra fun, I've found, rather than kind of feeling like it's restricting you.
0: hmm
1: So yeah, I, I can see I can see it being a lot of fun to play, like, tick, I've got to do this, tick, I've got to do that, kind of thing.
0: This is Money Talks, level 2, a zero-cost event with a wild icon. It's another favour, and also gambit-treated. Fast, play when an investigator at any location initiates a skill test. Instead of the skill type indicated for this test, willpower, intellect, combat, or agility, this is a resource skill test. The performing investigator's base skill value for this test is equal to half the number of resources in your resource pool rounded down. Draw one card.
1: Can we remind ourselves what Money Talks Level Zero does and how it's different from this?
0: Yes. So that is only for you, Money Talks. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's play when you initiate a skill test rather than an investigator at any location. It doesn't have a wild icon. And the next bit of it is still a resource skill test. The base skill value is all the same but you don't get to draw a card either. So this is gained a little bit like lucky level 2, it replaces itself. It's gained the can trip, but also you can now play this on anyone rather than just on yourself.
1: I feel like uh, we need a name for one of those cards that just gets better a little bit all round when it goes up a level because that's mm-hmm. kind of this, isn't it? It's if you like money talks, you like money talks level level 2 like better mm-hmm. because it does more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It gives
2: you the card back, which is nice for, for 2 XP. And it's got a wild icon in case you, you don't, you don't need to play it. Money Talks is, uh, is and always has been one of my favorite silly flavor cards in the game. Uh, like, like I know that I am, uh, reaching into unfathomable cosmic powers in order to cast a spell of shriveling upon this horrible monster in front of me. And, um, it's a, it's a very, it's a very big and powerful monster and it might be very difficult to hit. But, but luckily, I am very rich. <laughs> uh, I just it, every time I play it it's hysterical to me
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and, and it's the fact that it it's,
1: it's a totally separate type of it's, not, it's like a resource skill test <laughs> it's like how smart are you, how well can you fight, how well can you run how brainy are you, and also just how much cash have you got Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think something that Amber Autumn said about counter espionage like this idea of Rogues maybe being a bit helpful. I know. Don't don't shut me down immediately for saying that. But we're seeing a little bit of um a non-selfish streak to rogues here, which no, totally. I really like. Counter-espionage, if you're rich enough, you've got a cancel that works on any investigator and gets them to draw a card, which is great. And then this Money Talks level two, if you're doing the big money thing, this is a pretty awesome card to have up your sleeve where you can say, oh, hey, you know, yeah, you were about to attack a, I don't know, a a fight six mindless dancer, which is pretty hard to do. But don't worry, your skill is now 10 or 12 or whatever the huge pool of resources that uh, Jenny or Preston or Bob is sitting on. And again, I I like that style of justifying being rich for its own reasons in this game. I think it's, it's cool. And this just, yeah, like you said, Peter, broadens the application. I like
2: it. It's funny because Bob's like a, like Bob is a support gator, sort of foundationally. And and he gets most of the rogue access that there is in this box. So we get a little bit of like a helpful rogue sub theme. Yeah, which is like a very new direction for Mm. the class.
0: You know, once Bob has bought everyone their items and is then sitting on a huge pile of resources because he's Mm -hmm. trying to deal with greed. It's really nice if he has other ways of turning those resources to helping people. So, yeah. If he's sitting on 10 resources, that means he can make anyone test at a 5, which is pretty good. You know, and then higher than that, it starts to get silly numbers. So, yeah. Speaking of Bob, shall we move on to Black Market?
2: Quick, uh, quick aside. So, I've played Bob twice now. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the times... Um, I did get to play fun, big money. Bob has a million resources, gets to do all the fun, big resource things. Uh, hmm. but the other time, um, I did draw paranoia as my basic weakness. Oh no. Paranoia, Bob.
0: <laughs> paranoia and greed. Paranoia and greed
2: right. as two. Um, spent a lot of XP on horror soak in that game. Whoa. Yeah, that's good. Uh, black market, it's me, right? hmm yeah all right um, keep on going with the favors this is a two xp one cost event uh, is favor traded fast play at the start of the investigation phase one at a time reveal cards from the top of any investigator decks until exactly five have been revealed. Set those cards aside out of play. While set aside, any investigator may play any of those cards as if they were in their hand. At the start of the next investigation phase, shuffle each of those cards still set aside into its owner's deck. Um, this is a moment when the text is really filling up the screen, and you can see the ways <laughs> that switching to singular they has actually helped them out with their formatting quite a bit, instead of having to go <laughs> his or her with every single instance of this.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: The art reminds me of—is
2: um, he called Floyd in The Shining? The
1: bartender.
2: It definitely evokes the bartender from The Shining. I don't remember his name. He's got like the bow tie on as well. Yeah. When are we going to get the helmet in the background? as a, <laughs> An asset. This is a this this card is a great example of. I think uh, I I just picked up the box yesterday, and I was I was remarking to my girlfriend about how much this box of cards feels like a really really carefully constructed ecosystem just with the cards within this box and i think this card is a great example of that because this card combos really well with norman uh like it very much is a is a card that bob loves and bob wants to play and it works really well when you have all of the norman cards that let you the norm not only norman but like all the the mystic and seeker cards in this deck that let you preview the top cards of your deck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you can like rearrange things such that you can know which cards you want to be able to play, which is which is a really tricky thing to pull off. You need some like really really serious communication between members of your team in order to make that synergy happen. Um I I mm-hmm. imagine it would probably feel really really cool if you do manage to pull that off.
1: I think that that's that's a really really good point. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. What just struck came to my mind is when I have played Norman, it is nice sometimes just to have a way to shuffle your deck, right? If something's popped up on the top you don't want. And straight away, you've got here a way to see a new card on the top of your deck. Just get Mm. someone else to play
0: Black Market and then then those top five cards are set aside. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've got a weakness in Norman's deck in cards two to five, the other thing about this card is it doesn't do anything with weaknesses, right? So they're just removed from... From play for a round. For a round, yeah. Which is great that you then know, okay, that's either that saved me, maybe I can draw with abandon now because I'm not going to hit my weakness, or yeah, like that's this true. is going to happen, which is pretty cool. The bit that really blew my mind with this was that you don't pick an investigator. Yeah. So, you know, your fighter could be looking for a weapon. So we play back market and the fighter reveals the first card of their deck, not a weapon second card of their deck, is a weapon. And then for cards three to five, you could say, right, who else wants to reveal cards? What do we, you know, what do we want to dig for now? So halfway through the search, you sort of change direction, which I think is wild.
2: I think on the weakness point, that's actually a really good point And I want to build on it because mm-hmm. I... Like, can't count the number of times I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I have three cards left in my deck, and I know that one of them is my weakness, right? Mm, And so what this card lets you do is if anyone has this card, you play that, you reveal those three cards, you suddenly have an empty deck. If you can draw a card over the course of your turn, your deck Mm -hmm. shuffles, that weakness gets shuffled back into your deck at the end. Suddenly you've bypassed your uh you you've bypassed your thrice damned curiosity yep. on the first play th- on the first shuffle through your deck right
0: even better you don't even need to draw a card to do that because the cards stay out of play until the next investigation phase you're right so you're going to draw a card in upkeep anyway like oh my you're going to get that loop Hmm, it's really cool
2: you're a genius absolutely
1: i was just Thank thinking that as well <laughs> i was honestly <laughs> just thinking yeah if you can loop your deck or play quantum uh, quantum flux or something yeah, While those those uh, uh, weaknesses are set aside, then you, you quit in.
0: The other thing I'd add is, like, I love this idea of you. everyone throws in a card, the black market is in town, you're all swapping cards and things like that. And a little bit like untimely transaction, it can be quite hard to picture, well, what combos are we, we going to do here? Or, you know, do I really want to buy someone else's accessory, like their lucky cigarette case, because I've already got an accessory in my deck. But what it does really nicely is set up Synergy, And if you're looking for ways of getting Synergy cards, someone's playing Synergy, it's like, okay, yeah, I will play your spare copy of Guard Dog or I will play your uh, Magnifying Glass because these are generally useful assets and my Synergy's just gone up by a number because I'm not those classes I just named. So that, it's really nice as a sort of Synergy enabler.
2: It's a tight ecosystem in this box. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: thought of that off what you said. Exactly that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think this is one that's really going to flourish with time. The more, like, because yeah, you said it it is hard to picture what the what all the different plays are going to be, especially (laughs) keeping in mind that uh, this is not limited to assets, right? You can play cards from other investigators. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think. I think the more that like this sits in the space and we get to like mull over it and like think about what would be interesting in whom the Mm. better this card gets
0: yeah whether that's someone like playing someone else's dynamite blast because they have the resources yeah or you know someone doesn't have an action to play a draw card but someone else does so they're like oh i'll play that preposterous sketches or whatever it is like you just get so much scope i think it's also like we played this at a recent blob event and the table grinds to a halt (laughs) <laughs> because first you have to decide who you're drawing cards from to make the black market tableau, and then like there's no point planning your investigation phase because you're suddenly like, oh my goodness, how many of these cards are we going to play? We've only got this turn to do it. Which do we? You know, it just adds so many layers of teamwork and also complication. Yeah, it's really that cool. Fun. Really cool.
1: What you want is for your robe to play this while your garden guardian has geared up. <laughs> right? Yeah. You do. That it's, that's really true. Because you can play them as if they were in your hand. Yeah. So your guardian is just you know, it's not even not even <laughs> one, one limited to one, so just try and play both your black markets. <laughs> your 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 guardians like running into the black market oh, that's really good. just coming out handfuls of weapons.
0: <laughs> you get if the guardian reveals a teamwork as well, you get someone else to play the teamwork first. And give the Guardian more resources. (laughs) Or, you know, the rogue plays Fastian Bargain and gives all the resources to to the the Guardian so they can just... Yeah, it's cool. It's a bonkers card.
1: Fantastic. Right, we have Moxie, which is a zero-cost level three asset. uh, And uh, it has two willpower and two agility icons. And it is a talent Composure. So another one of the Composures, which are fast becoming. Some of my favorite cards in this expansion. It has fast, limit one composure in play. You get plus one willpower and plus one agility. Non-direct damage or horror must be assigned to Moxie before it can be assigned to your investigator card. Free trigger, spend one resource. You get plus one willpower and plus one agility for this skill test. And then it has three health and one sanity and also a picture of a man with a tiny dog. (laughs) You know what? I think... Of these, maybe Moxie of the level zero, uh, the level one. Sorry, composers. Moxie was one of my favorites. Anyway, I quite like the pairing of stats on it. Mm. Uh but the level three one. I think all the level three ones are just so good, and I think this really fits well in someone like Safina, uh, mm-hmm. who becomes what five two two five with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and gets three uh,
2: damage soak, which is really really nice for her as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, this is my this is this is the one I was most excited to talk about today. Uh, the level three composures are all great, fast flat stat boosts for as long as you can keep them up is awesome. I think so. The interesting thing about the composures in the design space to me one of the interesting things um you have like the first suite of talents that they did right where you've got like your physical trainings and your hyper awarenesses and what have you um and broadly those are like those boost two stats they boost your class's main stats you know combat and guardian intellect and seekers and then they boost uh one of the like one of the like stats that you have like a sub theme of in that class right so you've got willpower and guardians because guardians have a little bit of a willpower thing and you have agility and seekers because seekers have a little bit of an agility thing and then you do another suite of talents and they focus on the main stat and the other stat that you have a a, a bit of a thing in. so you know keen eye hits guardians uh intellect because there's a little there's like an intellect guardian like sub theme that sort of has, has has existed and then you know seekers get uh hyper awareness which which hits their willpower because everybody likes having willpower uh, and then when, by the time you get to the composures, you still want to boost the main stat, but the remaining stat that they're boosting is the dump stat for each class, right? So, um, uh, uh, guardians, um, you're, you're boosting your agility in, in your combat. And most guardians don't really care about their agility other than Lily. And, and then in Seeker, you know, um, uh, scientific theory is boosting your combat and the majority of Seekers, other than Joe, don't really care about their combat. Uh, which I think is a, is, it's a balancing thing, right? You're boosting your main stat. The other stat block is, is, is kind of just gravy. It's not actually the thing that you're getting the card for. Uh, but in Moxie, that's interesting because it boosts your agility, which is your rogue's main stat, but rogue's off stat is their willpower. And nobody doesn't like having willpower, which makes this maybe one of the more, Powerful composures for me because it's mm-hmm. like one of the only instances in which both of these stats are actually going to be relevant for everyone that you're going to take this on.
0: Mm. I've been nodding so hard here, <laughs> my head has nearly fallen off. <laughs> this is one of the downsides of the audio format, but yeah, like spot on that the dump stat is the stat that you're probably going to be forced to test mm-hmm. in, in Rogue. Whereas, yeah, in um, scientific theory, you as a seeker, you can just avoid testing combat. And that right. boost doesn't really do anything for you. So yeah, like spot on, I completely agree. It's shoring up one stat, and it's adding to the stat that you're maybe going to be aiming to be testing your agility.
2: The challenge is keeping it around, right?
0: Yeah. As Peter said on other episodes about these, you know, you have paid nothing, zero resources, and it's fast. Yeah. So in terms of the like in-game commitment to get it into play, even if you just get it for a couple of turns, ton- turns, that is still good. Yeah, it's totally just if... To get maximum value, yeah, you want to make sure you pass that terrifying willpower test
2: that that uh, is going to give you horror. The the advantage of, of another another thing that I like about this card in Rogue um, is that you're a rogue. Um, you're probably already packing sanity soak, right? This is giving you damage (laughs) soak, but if I'm Winnie, I'm already packing, like, maybe as much as an Elder Sign amulet or at least a Lonnie Ritter just in order to, like, avoid my deck cycling horror. And Mm -hmm. so that lets me have, like, a shield against getting Moxie discarded.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember using Holy Rosary and Seth for exactly the same same reason to keep
2: Moxie around.
0: I think we're all agreed. The, the level three composures are a hit.
2: Marty owns. Who knew? It rules, rocks, absolutely <laughs> destroys, slaps, owns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shall I read us? It's me now, isn't it? I think yes. so, yeah. I am reading. Wow, I've, I've <laughs> planned this nicely. This is maybe my favorite card of the pack. The Black Fan. It's unique. It's a symbol of power. Three cost, three XP, Intellect, Agility, and Wild Icons. Item and Relic traded. It's exceptional, so it really costs 6 XP. While you have 10 plus resources, you get plus 1 health and plus 1 sanity. 15 plus resources, you may take 1 additional action during your turn. 20 plus resources, you get plus 1 to each of your skills. Takes up a hand slot. Insert everything I've said about big money rogues getting more payoffs
2: honestly this was like maybe the thing that big money really needed yeah like having like but what's the point
0: in having your pool of 20 like haha i'm
2: preston my stats are
0: twos across the board now (laughs) yes
2: (laughs) well make your savant worth three instead of two
0: (laughs) it's important pro plays here that we're describing (laughs)
2: I mean, like, you use your like it fuels up your Dario Elamine, it fuels up your well connecteds, um it it fuels up your aforementioned money talks. And and probably you're doing some other like even like if you're big money Bob, like hopefully you still have enough intellect that you can still be like taking advantage of that extra action on investigating or even just lockpicking, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think pr- for pretty much everyone who's not Preston, the plus one to each of your skills is great. And even if you are Preston, the, the 10 and 15 resources are are, are are awesome as well. The black fan rules. Mm-hmm. If,
1: if you're playing Preston, you might well have uh, trial by fire or uh, well connected in your deck. That's and true. at that point, you know, it's it's still a plus one. That's um, true. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not going to go entirely to waste <laughs> as it would do if you didn't have any of those other cards.
2: Yeah, yeah. The hand slot is a challenge. You got to you got to mm. plan your deck if if you if you want to pull this, then you have got to figure out like okay, we're no longer taking the beretta, right? Um uh Ooh. in in our other <laughs> hand we're picking like it's a gun, it's a lock picks, it's uh, we're making a choice, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So I saw this in play with Bob in that blob experience that we had and the Bob player was playing with Joey the Rat Vigil mm-hmm. and selling items using the upgraded Joey for resources mm-hmm. and then scavenging and getting those items back and playing oh. them with his action. Oh. So, he had like this play of lockpicks and I think derringers as well, although I can't quite remember. Various different items coming in and out of hands and didn't mind if he bumped one out of a slot yeah. because he'd then scavenge it back because it was an item and then play it again using his action and then sell it oh, and so on. I love that. It was lovely. Girl energy. It was um it was Jaya Peter doing that. Oh yeah classic and, Jaya. and he right, exactly. modeled it on Aesop's pawn shop. So <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Hi Jaya. Shout out to Jaya his wild deck. Yeah, I think Black Fan's really cool. I don't think you just slot this anywhere and hope to get those resources. You slot it yeah. specifically in a deck that is gonna yeah. sit on those big piles of resources. And that's Absolutely. great.
2: Yeah.
0: Amber Autumn, it's back to you. So it
2: is uh, the Red Clock, but again, a second, slightly larger Red Clock. Um, still broken, <laughs> still reliable, um, still too cost, um, but this time it's level 5 and still exceptional, so 10 XP. Um, it's got two wild icons, so that's the thing you're really paying the money for there. <laughs> uh, it is an item still; it is still a red relic. It still takes an exceptional, or it still takes an accessory slot, um, and it still comes out with zero charges. But this time, all of the numbers are bigger. So after your turn begins, you may take all charges here as resources. Then place one charge here. If it has exactly one charge, you get plus four skill value for the next skill test two charges you may move up to three times and three charges you may take two additional actions this turn so wow yeah um huge huge brain plays on this one this is exactly what i was talking about at the beginning about rogues doing big dumb nonsense turns so the difference from the from the level down clock is that a All of the numbers are bigger, so you get plus four instead of plus three, you move three times instead of moving twice, and you take two additional actions instead of one additional action. But also, critically, it is now a three-turn clock instead of a four-turn clock. So now, you place a charge every... you place a charge every turn, even if you take all the charges off. So, A you get all your resources on the same turn as you get your skill value and the whole clock is shorter, which is great. But also be in a pinch if you really need to. You can choose to take all of your resources prematurely um, to get plus four on a skill test if you have like a test that you absolutely positively have to pass right now and you can forego yeah, your, your movement really nice. and your extractions.
1: And, and not only are you getting plus four to your first skill test every turn, it's also a free lone wolf. It's true without the restriction on it that's a really uh, you know what if you hadn't mentioned it i don't think i would have noticed that the that text has changed around slightly to the mm. point where you get it yeah you could basically get a plus a permanent plus four to your first skill test a turn you could You could if just, that's what you want
2: you could just get one resource and plus four every turn if you if you wanted to do that yeah it's not bad. yeah no that's that I, I like
1: it i like it a lot it's a A lot of XP. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What's the rule if you've bought the level 2 and then you upgrade to the level 5? Do you get 2 XP off the the 10 XP cost or do you get 4 XP off the 10 XP cost? Sounds like a rules question,
2: Frank. Oh god, I always assumed it was 4 XP off. I hadn't even occurred that it might be otherwise.
1: It's the difference in experience you get. So the first one costs... Four? So this one costs six, uh, ten, so you'll have to pay six XP. Perfect. Okay,
0: that's nice. That's good then. It's not It's not the difference in experience pips. That's good. No, it's the difference... Sorry, <laughs> just terrifying. I was wondering if you'd ever use the level two as a stepping stone, but you when would if you can... Purchasing yeah. a
1: higher level version of a card with the same title, the investigator may choose to upgrade that card by paying only the difference in experience between the two cards and removing the lower level level version of the card from their deck perfect from his or her deck it says <laughs>
0: <laughs> lovely okay well that's good then
2: the three xp for the relic hunter feels a lot better on the 10 xp clock than it does on the four xp clock like mm-hmm. it costing mm-hmm. four to seven feels way harsher than it costing 10 to 13 i can spend 13 xp on this card Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah well for me the, the I'm going straight to the place that often is the problem that's often levelled at exceptional, which is finding it. But I think the fact mm-hmm. that this is an item is really nice because backpack kicks in and I've become a massive backpack fanboy oh, in recent months. So good. Like search twelve is amazing. And the other thing is I was thinking about this at level two clock. Handing this to Jack and letting him get free moves. Is oh, you're right. Is really cool. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's packing other free movement anyway, because that's his thing. But yeah, it sort of is crying out to Jack to me that there's the bonus movement. The other important thing about this is it's level five, which means Akachi can't take it because she uses charges level zero to four. Oh, that is a And fun, Ursula yeah. is relic zero to four as well, isn't she? So even though it's got all of those tasty fits than like not being rogue i think this is broadly speaking ending up in rogue
2: oh it is a card that really wants to get given away though right like bob really Mm -hmm. wants to give this card away and like black market and untimely transaction are both very like or i guess you can't really do that with untimely transaction Mm -hmm. but um black market certainly really likes to get given away or likes to give this away oh can you
0: imagine the uh, arguments at the table as soon as this gets (laughs) seen on black market (laughs) yeah no no i'll take my turn first yeah
2: yeah 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 me yep It's it's yeah wild. It's a card that everybody likes, even though I, I, having played with both versions, I do think it's secretly like an economy card, like mm-hmm. it is. It is a it is a money card, and that is a thing that rogues really love. But everybody likes this card, and it mm-hmm. is a thing that everybody is happy to to get given. And everybody who isn't a rogue has a little bit less slot pressure on on that particular slot than the rogues do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that
0: is the end. Of the rogue XP cards from Edge of the Earth Investigator Expansion for sure players, does. but Amber Autumn, we're going to throw some multi-class cards at you. Not oh, literally, we're going to look <laughs> at them together.
2: No, please. So, do you think you can you can pitch it? How many miles is it between? It? How many like or kilometers? Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> halfway around the world. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, first of all, in the multi-class cards, we've got Quick Draw Holster, and this is a. There's an extra step in reading these cards out now, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna hurt my tiny brain. Um, it's doing bust it every your time. brain. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a guardian and a rogue multi-class card. It is four cost and level four, so four XP asset. It has a combat and two agility icons, and it has item, tool, and illicit traits. Uh, free trigger. Choose a firearm asset taking up only one hand slot in your play area. Attach it to quick draw holster or switch it with the attached asset. The attached asset takes up no hand slots. Limit one attached asset. Uh, And then a second free trigger, exhaust quick draw holster. Perform a fight action on the attached asset without paying its action cost. And it uses a body slot. So it's mm. a lot of words to do something relatively simple, which is that one of your guns no longer uses an action to fire.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Once a turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I hadn't noticed at first, and on closer inspection I have noticed, is that, uh, the lady in the art, her hand drawing the gun is like blurred
0: slightly. Absolutely
1: right? in the midst of, it's really cool. It, it's a great bit of art, actually, to be fair.
0: Is that Delilah O'Rourke? I think it might be. Uh, yes. I believe it, it is. World, yeah. It? yeah, it's Delilah. Classic Delilah, which is lovely theme win that with Delilah, you get to do extra damage without spending actions. And with the Quick Draw Holster, you likewise get to do even more damage without spending actions. So for me, this is pretty pricey at four resources and four XP mm-hmm. for a somewhat limited extra action. Mm hmm admittedly, that extra action is at the times when you normally need it most as a fighter, which is to just do even more damage. And so my head went to anyone running a firearm deck, and I'm actually running one in Tony at the moment. And you know his deck already starts with two firearms in it, and you're probably putting some more in. So the idea of having your level two Derringer out but not spending actions and then succeeding by three and getting more actions is really appealing to me. That you can just you can have a whole selection of different weapons out to be shooting with, which I think is cool. And I like that it's got the illicit trait, which means that Finn can also take it. And if he wants to put his little tiny gun in a quick draw holster, <laughs> yeah. he can do
2: that. It's definitely um, a pretty. High, it's a. De- it's definitely a luxury upgrade. It's a pretty high cost for um, what is basically. A level ban- a level zero bandolier that uh, gives you an extra action once a turn mm-hmm. an extra action once a turn is huge like don't get me wrong like I think like especially a lot of guardians love this card mm-hmm. and like I also think it's it's handy to have the extra slot in rogue such that you know if you want to fire your beretta and then you get the auto fail and it exhausts you've still got your Mauser in the other hand mm-hmm. uh, so that you're not completely yeah. hosed. I get excited about anything that awards extra slots. I think that I think that torso is relatively uncompetitive in in both guardian and rogue. Although we are getting some fun new torso slots in this expansion, uh, it just it it feels good to play. It feels good to get an extra action for free and be like, "All right, I mm. killed this young psychopath, and now it's time to begin my <laughs> turn." Right?
0: Yeah, agreed.
2: It's it's that thing I was talking about about the beginning about like the the stability of Guardians ver- mixed with like the flashiness of Rogue, um, and it's expensive for <laughs> it, uh, but I just like it emotionally. <laughs> I was about to
1: say I I think it's a really nice nicely themed card. Yeah, it could maybe do with being a little bit cheaper to be really like make me want to play it more. But the idea of like you can like holster a card on it, which feels good, and then like kind of like you say, you're just like, well, I'm going to quickly shoot shoot this guy who's attacking me. It's just a really nice theming. It's, it's a good combination of mechanics and theme, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've spent a lot of words trying to say that. <laughs> to say that, it's cool.
0: I think it fits as well if you're doing that big weapon deck in Guardian or Rogue. Like, say you're playing as Tommy and you've got Becky down. That basically takes up mm-hmm. the hand slots and you're then thinking, oh... Yeah, like- I was going
1: to say, yeah yeah to, to to have like if you want like a, a shotgun and then a gun uh, it's yeah. really nice to have this
0: a backup to your backup yeah
2: yeah <laughs> it's definitely like it's like do you want bandolier level two to get your willpower and two hand slots or do you want this for the extra actions um in the one hand slot mm. like what's the way you want to upgrade that and and now we have a choice yeah. right it's bandolier had a specific niche and we have now some competition in that niche which is good yeah.
0: Next we have Unscrupulous Loan. This is a rogue and survivor zero-cost asset for 3 XP. It's packed Traded, which is quite a weird trait to have on a good card. Limit one per investigator. Cannot leave play. Reaction after you play Unscrupulous Loan. Gain 10 resources. Forced when the game ends or you are eliminated if you have fewer than 10 resources in your resource pool. Exile Unscrupulous Loan. And the art is of a big wad of cash. Yeah, it's a very
1: generic rogue art, that, isn't it? Fits alongside the favor art we were seeing earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like this. I think this is really good. Zero yeah. to gain ten, uh, hot take. That's a good ratio of money to gain <laughs> for amount, amount of costs.
0: The hottest of takes, yeah.
1: Limit one per investigator means it's... Difficult to uh, justify putting two in your deck. Yeah. It also doesn't have any icons. I would so it's of. probably more unreliable uh, econ than lots of other cards would be. And I think like zero for 10 for 3 XP, that's also really good. You've got what, hot streak level two and then hot streak level four? Yeah. And that's five for nine and two for nine, is it?
0: It's five for 10 and three for
1: 10. Five for 10, three for 10. God, I was totally wrong there. I was thinking, <laughs> you know what it was? I was thinking of Sure Gamble in a different yeah. You were game. yeah, <laughs> completely different game, <laughs> a totally a different case. game. <laughs> so yeah, I guess the question is, do you want to pay three XP every time you use it? It's got the reverse problem then that I mentioned when we talked about called cheat the system earlier on. I mean, not problem, cheat the system. You sort of want to be a bit set up and then use that to replenish your cash. With this, it could provide a really good boost at the start of the scenario. Uh, to let you set up and then you can just accumulate some money to pay off
2: your loan by the end of the scenario right yeah Mm -hmm. i um i i think this is a banger card i i think that rarely are you going to need to exile it unless something goes really horribly wrong um i played Mm -hmm. it in bob and it was great for fueling you know big money in exactly Mm -hmm. the way that it like looks like it's supposed to do right this is here to fuel up your black fan and so forth yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, But I also found, um, sort of quite accidentally, like I see this card and my my first instinct was to be like, okay, you gain 10 resources and then you never spend any of them. But actually I found that when I was getting them early game, I quite wanted to spend them because then you get to like put that $2 towards your... um, like towards your red clock right and then the red clock will make you the money back over time because arkham is a tempo game and you're trying to get ahead of tempo and this card is about like Mm. giving you a bunch of tempo and your goal isn't to never spend any of this money your goal is to it's a loan is to spend this money in advance and then you know use all of the things that you get out of spending that money to eventually replenish that money later uh, once you do that setup and then once i had done that i ran it again in like Daniela later just because i was like this is just really good and yeah it worked great in her when she wasn't doing big money as long as i like kept the promise of having the ten dollars at the end of the scenario um which was not as difficult as i was anticipating it was going to be um as long as you like plan for it yeah
1: i, I played it in Daniela as well and unscrupulously enough i was playing in standalone So I didn't even have to worry about getting the money back. Yeah. I did. Like like
2: other exile cards, it does go way up in standalone and in the last scenario of a campaign.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I do have a theory, a pet theory, that there is a there's a deja vu Daniela deck to be made. And I'm going to work on that because I think (laughs) there is something there. At which point, you know, why the hell not take this? Um, Even if you don't have the money, you get XP to buy it back straight away. Yeah, I I, I think you're you're spot on, i Broadham. I think, like, The idea of if if it comes early, it really gives you like the boost to just play all your assets. Then you're totally set up and everything else you do in this scenario becomes more efficient, allowing you to kind of accumulate some of the money as you go along because you're not worrying about um, having to play more stuff. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. You've used this as well, haven't you, Frank?
0: I have, yeah. I put it in Bob, Big Money Bob, and it's great it's just amazing it just gives you that amazing like bump if you're trying to get to about 10 or 15 resources for everything else to kick in I love the theming on it as well like the rogue theming of yeah I'll take the money to hell with the consequences I'll make that money later but also the survivor theming of sort of boom and bust of like going from having nothing and then suddenly being rolling in it I think is really nice as well and survivors finding money in in odd places that sort of thing i think is really cool are there any main class survivors that this jumps out as a good good fit i haven't really been able to think of any i'm wondering if there's like a big money wendy or something
2: like that out there um stella makes a lot of money really quickly with with drawing thins so this could this Mm -hmm. could bankroll her up for the front and then she would have a really easy time making it back yeah. Uh Silas has a really has a lot a lot of draw power and so he would be guaranteed to see this really early and that makes it appealing for him.
0: Yeah, I think of survivor as the sort of cheap faction in a
1: way. You could almost put nothing else in terms of econ in Silas cuz like Silas is playing maybe a couple of weapons and then uh, a couple of allies and then he's he's just committing skills for the rest of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Although of course with the new actual Silas assets it's nice to have a bunch of cash to play those over and over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great card. I think it's really fun. Really fun. Banger card. And finally.
2: Uh Janae Boricard. So uh I proxied these cards when they were revealed long before um they long before I had them officially in my hands yesterday. Um and for a long time and like I, I saw Janae and I was immediately like, she seems fine. Um, but almost immediately when I played her, the little piece of paper proxy that I wrote down to write down what it said, just said, my main bitch, Janae, because she's (laughs) so good. So Janae Beauregard, the intrepid explorer is a unique seeker slash rogue ally, Uh, She costs uh, a a hefty five resources and three XP. She's got a commit of one intellect and one agility. Um, She has the tags of ally and wayfarer. She takes up an ally slot. She has two health and two sanity. She gives you a flat plus one into intellect and a flat plus one to agility. And as a reaction, during your turn, after you move to a location, you can exhaust Janae Beauregard colon, to move a clue or non-elite enemy from a connecting your location to your location, or vice versa. And she has the most Amazing. absolutely gorgeous artwork of her sitting on like a clifftop with a with a waterfall rushing past and a stream in the distance. Really beautiful landscape on this card. What I'd love to hear from you, Amber, yeah. it, is, is like a, a a good
1: Genet play you've pulled off. Because it feels like the kind of car which generates cool encounters and cool stories so have you got like a good example of of, of a slick movie pulled off of that
2: um so i, d- I do i do <laughs> oh you're well, after you amber, I, okay. You, amber. <laughs> okay so the first thing that comes to mind you know with the amid- with the limited amount of time that i've had to play with janae so far uh but one fun thing that janae has done for me other than like occasionally i've gotten to like move one and then throw my enemy that I have on me at, uh, at my, uh, at my fighter. But, um, in Dim Carcosa, what Janae lets you do, I found out sort of accidentally, is you get to move a clue off of a location without discovering the last clue on that location. So I managed to sweep the, like, take a damage when you discover the last clue at this location location, like, Mm. two or three times without ever discovering the last clue at that location. So good. That sounds less flashy than it felt to do. (laughs) My experience
0: with it is uh, actually a very similar thing, which is... I've been playing Innsmouth with Janae in Jack and obviously wanting to move around a lot as Jack, but also wanting to pick pick up keys. And one of the things you can do then is move into a location. If it has a key, move the clue out of the location. And that means immediately you can free trigger, pick up the key and go on your way. And you don't have to spend actions picking up the clues. Uh so I was playing Light in the Fog recently where there are a lot of clues underneath the lighthouse and you're rushing around and just being able to manipulate where clues are, because you don't need clues to do very much once you're down under in the bowels of the lighthouse. You just need to to get the right keys right. and crack on. Right. And I just found that incredible, basically. To you know, you can manipulate where clues are so that they're on low shroud. You can pull clues to you if you want to do something like crack the case or something like that and then similarly with enemies if you've evaded an enemy or not even if you've not evaded an enemy but they're blocking your way you switch places with them yeah she's so so good so fun
2: genuinely it is astonishing how often moving a clue from a connecting location to your location or vice versa is indistinguishable from discovering a clue at your location or another location Mm. yeah like yeah for free it's it's and 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 she's expensive for it but she's good soak uh stat boosts that you probably really do care about both of them and um that ability is just absolutely it's absolutely fucked um it's absolutely incredible (laughs) the the ability to pull a to like move into the location with a fighter and thereby move an, you know an accolade or whatever that spawned in an empty location onto your fighter, mm-hmm. and then you don't have to like spend your fighter doesn't have to spend like two actions running out of their way to get to that enemy and then back. Right, you've just saved them two actions there on on, a, on an investigator who maybe have who maybe has a lot to do to begin with.
0: She's like a gigantic magnet, isn't she? She really is. Sort of magnet slash repulsor. Yeah. You can can do all sorts of things. It's a pseudo evade if you need to push an enemy off someone. Or you could pull an enemy onto you because you're going to evade them or whatever it is. Yeah, really, really cool.
2: Honestly, at the higher levels, I don't think like Seeker has actually that much competition for her ally slot. I imagine her going in a lot of Seeker decks. um, But Seekers are going to have a much harder time affording her than the rogues are. At at five costs. Mm. So that's the like that's the challenge that you have there. She's she's sort of like I, I compare her a lot to Lola Santiago, right? Same same soak, same uh same same stat boosts, uh much of the same access, same XP. Janae is a little bit more expensive. It doesn't cost any money to keep her out, and her ability is maybe a little bit more flexible, mm. and the mm. seekers get mm. access to her. Um, but you don't get the strict like clue discovery hatch and she's more expensive to play so
0: nice assessment have we convinced you peter i i, I was
2: never not convinced i
0: think
1: she's, she's <laughs> great uh, i mean all i would add is it, it she she just fits into that uh, a particular kind of seeker style the, the jack and ursula style yeah i've said this several times but my experience of ursula is she i always forget how i phrase this she she encourages you to put cards that are good in a deck and she rewards you for using those cards as well Mm-hmm. um hmm yeah. and J Jennae fits perfectly in that. And also, you know, she works well with my favourite card in the game, the best card in the game, Fieldwork. Um yeah. and, you know, w- will fit well in Jack as well. I think she's she's
2: yeah. an all round um an all round star really. Yeah. I, I had this yeah. I had this joke when in when Innsmith was coming out, uh that uh Father Mateo was the sixth Innsmith investigator right um because he was an entirely different investigator at the end of that expansion than he was at the beginning of it Mm. uh i think ursula is edge of the earth's like 10th investigator
0: (laughs) yeah that's nice so that ends our cards that we're looking at amber autumn what's the standout card for you if there is one
2: it may be recency bias if I say Janae. I think Janae is, is I do think Janae is probably the one that I am I am most likely to see the most play of in future. I think Janae has sort of mm-hmm. instantly become a, a a big XP staple for me. In terms of the one that I am the most design excited about, the one that I just think is like the coolest, um it's Moxie. And I'm 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 really excited to be taking Moxie in every Winifred that I ever build. <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. Peter, how about you?
1: Um well because I'm bored and was picked Moxie it means I don't have to pick the composure as I have been doing <laughs> I think, I think I <laughs> so far. Weirdly, probably because of the way you both talked it up, I think Black Market is maybe one of my one of the ones I'm excited to play yeah. with. <laughs> and that wasn't what I would have said going in, but just reading through it carefully and and, and explaining how it works um, has has convinced me I I think there's a, a lot of fun to be had with that. And then Maybe weirdly, I I kind of want to see what I can do with Savant as well. I think there's a few mm. decks which might quite like Savant, um, and yeah. I'm, I'm excited to 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 have a play with it.
0: Like the art on Savant, it's like cracking its secrets <laughs> to find <laughs> absolutely the yeah. real power. Yeah, for I me, like I think crack? it's black fa- black fan. Yeah, I just think it's such a cool big money payoff. I just like like that as the payoff to build towards. I think it's really good.
1: I definitely want to go back to Preston,
0: having having got this pack now as well. Yeah, yeah. See what kind of shenanigans you can put off. And finally, Amber Autumn, how can people get in touch with you or check out your stuff if they want to do that?
2: Yeah, um, uh, I have... Um, I have a Twitter at Warupici. That's W-A-R-U-P-E-A-C-H-I, Warupeechi, like Waluigi, but for Peach. Um, I also have a separate <laughs> Twitter account where that you can find in the bio of that where I just talk about Arkham Horror um, and I've quarantined it off to the side. Um I have my own podcast um uh called Original Podcast Do Not Steal. Um, Which isn't about Arkham, (laughs) but it does have an Arkham episode in which my co-podcaster Devin and I, every week, take one original character, or take one uh, franchise, uh, uh, intellectual property, story, concept, hope, idea, dream, myth, and we come up with an original character in that franchise. Uh, It's much more goofing around and much less technical analysis than this podcast is, Um, but I think it's quite fun and you can listen to it if you want to. Uh, You can find that in most places that podcasts are. I think that's it. I think it's just Twitter and the podcast. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it for me. It yeah,
0: that doesn't need to be anywhere special. Yeah. What's your postal address? If people want to <laughs> say, I'm joking, I'm, joking, I'm joking. Yeah. Awesome. And you can get in touch with us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on all social media. So yeah, send us a message. If you uh, like what you hear or don't like what you hear, Thank you. Don't very send us much. a message if you
1: don't like what you hear. You can Why, if you what? want. Oh, I don't know. You can read those
0: ones.
2: Caleb, I do. Yeah. <laughs> can you let me out of the spooky closet <laughs> Thank now? You. Can I? Can I go home? <laughs> yeah, you can get. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much for
0: listening.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a really good ratio of of cost. Oh, no. Sorry, there's a cat squeaking at my door. I'm just going to let him in. He's going to shut up and get louder.
0: You can cut this out, Frank. Peter thinks I'm going to cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to end up in the bloopers. Uh... Yes, yes, yes. Hello, hello
2: i do the same thing on my podcast the the joke is that anytime we make a mistake if uh if devon's editing that episode uh, the mistake is getting cut out but if i'm editing the episode um then both the mistake and the bits of us talking about the mistake are gonna stay in (laughs)